is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 397, recorded Thursday, October 11th, 2018. It sure is. Welcome to the program, everybody. Uh, We are getting very close to number 400, Jason. Have you noticed that? Uh, It's creeping up there, my friend. It really is. 400. It's quite quite a thing. I mean, I don't think we're going to do anything special, but uh, we'll have to wait for 500 for that. But man, 400 is an awful lot of friggin' podcasts. And I'm. I don't think I've done 400 of anything in my life previously. No? <laughs> I mean, you've probably <laughs> taken 400 steps. Well, yeah, you know, that, that kind of stuff where you don't track. But, you know, this is the first thing that you actually track numbers that I've reached 400. I mean, I'm sure I've worked 400 days. I'm sure I've made $400. I'm sure I've walked 400 steps. I'm sure I've fallen down 400 times. But. <laughs> This is the first thing that I've done on purpose, meaningfully, uh, that's been counted and at 400, and it's you, weird. You have, uh, yeah, you have walked 400 steps, and you've fallen down 400 steps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've fallen down that many steps. I've fallen down probably, what, as staircases, an average of uh, 13, 14 stairs. I've fallen down probably four or five staircases, so. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> So it's not quite you gotta be careful, but you know, I'm getting older as time goes on. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, this is number 397. I am coming to you from Washington, DC. I am down here for work. And, uh, so I'm, I'm in the remote mobile recording studio this week. I hope everything sounds okay. This hotel room feels a little bit noisy to me, but I don't know how it's going to come across on the microphone, but we'll see. Hopefully everything is good. Uh, you can hear me okay, right? I can hear you just fine, my friend. Fantastic. I'm also using the USB microphone that I don't normally use and don't trust. So fingers are crossed, are are tightly crossed that everything goes okay. Because the last time I tried this, I got on the plane on the way home and found out that the audio was all bad. So I don't want to jinx anything, but let's hope well, everything is good. you just did. Idiot. God. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I just can't help it. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, yeah, let's just hope everything is good. Um, I'm giving this mic a second chance and if it fails me again, uh, it's going straight in the garbage. Oh, good. Good man. Yeah. Okay. So we're here to do listener feedback for season nine, episode one of the walking dead, the season premiere, of course. And, uh, we've got a bunch. So Jason, why don't we just dive right in? I would like that, Chris. Let's do it. Dive head first, straight in. Yeah, that's dangerous, but whatever. All right. Well, we know it's it's deep. We know the, the feedback is deep, so it's okay. Good. All right. Uh, our, first, uh, our first email here comes from Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. And Matt writes, even though I think the show probably peaked five years ago, I still enjoy it. Uh, I still enjoy it. And just seeing the characters back puts a smile on my face. I'm happy with a Carol and Ezekiel relationship, even if seeing Daryl and Carol together warms the heart. Daryl pining for the watered-down group is how I feel, even though we both know the larger group is how it's got to be. My only confusion was why the group was so afraid of the walkers on the street. They were going to abandon the horses and buggy to run away, 
Then, after Ken is killed, it only takes like five members of the group to dispatch all the walkers. Oh well, you have to do what you can to make suspense. Yeah, well, yeah, you shouldn't take chances, though. And But, you know, good horses are hard to find. Well, that's the thing. I mean, good horses are hard to find, and you don't want to lose any horses. I totally get that. But I, I sort of felt the same way as Matt when watching it a little bit. There was a scene, uh, you know, just before that when the walkers start coming upon them, and Rick does this cool leader thing where he he basically says, Daryl, Michonne, get on it. And they're like, you know, okay. And they go to start fighting off the zombies while he, you know, pulls the buggy through the mud with uh, with the rest of the gang. And then, yeah, then it, panic ensues. They have to run away. Ken gets killed. And then they kind of yada yada over the rest of the, the zombie killing, which in this case I think was all right because we saw some of it. But it did feel like at one moment they were running away. And then the next moment they'd killed them all. So I'm not sure what right. changed there, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, don't underestimate the, uh, what a properly motivated group of individuals can do right? Uh, when, when somebody goes down and all of a sudden they're all, you know, they're all super interested and motivated to, uh, you know, dispatch all of these zombies. So that's yeah. good, I suppose. I mean, Just, I, you know, get your shit together before somebody dies and that'd be better, I think. Well, and I think there's something to to the idea that, you know, only fight when you absolutely have to, right? If you can run away, run away. Um, but if it comes down to it where somebody is injured and you can't get them out of there, then you're forced to fight. And these, these are good fighters, so fighting is usually pretty successful for them as well, I guess. But I think their original idea was like, let's just get out of here, get to safety. Um, and then when they couldn't do that, they were forced into a fight and they came out on top anyway. Yeah, that's what I do. You know, run away. If you can't run away, hide. If you can't run away or hide, plead. <laughs> Beg, yeah. Beg. <laughs> Ask for forgiveness. Uh, yeah, the fighting thing is the is the last, absolute last resort. And uh, really, I haven't done that since grade seven. No, and it's, it's someone once told me, when you're buying or if, if you need a car, rent. If you can't rent, lease. If you can't lease, finance. And if you can't finance, just buy it outright. <laughs> right. You know, it's, those are the steps. And if you can't buy it outright, take the bus. That's that's another good option too. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Next, we have an email from Anna in Wales. This first episode was very promising. I really think you can tell a woman is in charge now because they took the time to let people have an actual realistic human conversations. Carol and Ezekiel, I like this relationship. Carol and Daryl, I, I love this. Highlight of the episode. Rick and Michonne in bed. First good couple scene for these two ever. All so much better. Also, they brought all the characters together for a no-war-related caper. The trip to the Smithsonian seemed a bit silly and pointless, but it was lovely to see everyone doing something together uh, with the walkers as a threat, not other humans. More of this, please. It's what made the first couple of seasons so much better than the recent ones. Yeah. How did you feel about the uh, scene with Rick and Michonne in bed? <sighs> I, I guess it was okay. I mean, yeah. Rick was shirtless, right? Uh, yeah, I think he was shirtless. Yep. Yeah, but Michonne was not. I mean, Rick shirtless, I'm okay with that. 
Yeah, uh, it's good. <laughs> I think I liked it a little bit better. There was a little bit, it felt like there was a little more chemistry. I guess uh, chemistry is kind of implied when there's naked people in bed. Yeah, I would say so. But I, I think there was more chemistry here. I think this is one of the first times that they've really felt like an actual couple. Because it was, I, to me, it was a little forced for years now, right? Yeah, it felt a little forced. Not here, not here. So I think... Uh, uh, I think that's right. I think that I feel, I think Anna's very uh, astute here. It, I think it feels better now. Yeah, totally, totally. And and I, I'm glad to see them together. I mean, I, I want to see these two characters find someone and some happiness and so on. So, and I think it's working better. It just took took them a little time to get, uh, I don't know, to get, to get it going. Um, and the sad part is, you know, as we all know, um, Andrew Lincoln is leaving the show soon, so this might be all we get in the end of these two as a couple. Well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the thing. You know, when uh, you know, after five years or four years of high school, uh, at the end of it, you uh, all of a sudden you feel nostalgic for high school, even though it was a shit show for the whole four and a half years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so now that uh, Andrew Lincoln's leaving, they're like, "Wow, I guess this feels good. This feels right." Now that you're leaving, yeah. That's right. Maybe. Pressure, pressure's off. Pressure's off. Exactly. Uh, her other point about bringing the characters together for a non-war-related like war related caper is really good, too. It just, I think that's a great point. Seeing these characters do something that isn't, that isn't out to get somebody else or, you know, war-related because we've gone through two years of all-out war, but even just something that isn't, let's go attack somebody or you know, whatever they were going for supplies and things they needed and just working together. And I think that's, I really liked that. And I think it's nice to see that sort of thing on the show, which we haven't as much lately. Yeah. Just next time, don't do something stupid, like try and get a wagon down the stairs onto a glass <laughs> floor that you know is broken. Sure. Well, we might get into that a little bit more as this goes along, but uh Let's move on to the next one here. We've got Trucker Tom from On the Road, as he usually is. And he writes, I was frustrated with Jason's attitude towards the purpose of the museum visit. It was pointed out that the plow they took would be a pattern that the blacksmith could use to make more. This idea can reasonably be extrapolated to the other items they recovered. Rick, in a speech, said they needed to look to the past to remedy their current problems. Just take a close look at what passed for a wagon they arrived in. Ramshackle, shoddily made from car parts and planks. It clearly is lacking. The trip to the museum was to gather prototypes to be copied. A plow to help farming. Heirloom seeds, very useful. A covered wagon to haul goods over rough, broken terrain, as well as crumbling roads. I sincerely doubt anyone at the settlements has a clue how to construct a proper wagon one that can haul tons of freight and stand up to a lot of strain and abuse. They needed an example of what helped conquer the West. And the canoe carved out of a log. Yes, heavy, and not as good as modern canoes. However, while canoes might be fairly common in Canada, outside of the Western states, and maybe some recreational lakes with canoe rentals, canoes are pretty uncommon in the U.S. Given, give a Hilltopian an axe, point at a log and say, make me a canoe, likely won't produce anything useful. But if he has an example to be guided by, he has a chance. So, Jason, what do you think about that? Uh, g gathering all these things because they need, like, older, 
you know, ancient, for lack of a better word, technology with this stuff because they got to make them themselves. And you can't just go and make yourself a fiberglass canoe. It's right. not that easy. Okay. So uh, the seeds I was on board with, I had no problem with that. Uh, the uh, the plow I was on board with, I had no problem with that. The wagon, uh, I'm a l still a little skeptical. Like that wagon that they pulled up in, uh, sure, it seemed a little ramshackle, but it was built from uh, you know modern steel parts. And I think it probably could stand up to some pretty serious abuse. But that's just me. Uh, so maybe going forward a hundred years from now, it'd be good to know how to make a wagon. Um, and the canoe, I, uh, I guess, yeah, I'm a little, uh, you know, biased about how many canoes are around here. I could walk up and down the street, like go four houses and I'll find a canoe in somebody's backyard. <laughs> that right? many canoes or, in your neighborhood, eh? Oh, there's canoes and kayaks everywhere, right? Wow. So I, I personally have two two recreational kayaks hanging in my garage. I know I've seen other open garages in my neighborhood and there are other kayaks and canoes all over the place. But yes, we, you know, we live on a great lake and there's tons of lakes around here and lots of uh, cottaging and people taking uh, canoes and stuff. I know uh, of six different stores in my, uh, in my town that sell canoes and kayaks. So uh, I'm sure that they have a stock that I could find. But yes, I hadn't considered that maybe in the United States, uh, canoes aren't as readily available. So maybe making a canoe out of a log is okay, but your best bet is to learn how to make a canoe out of birch bark <laughs> or uh, some other, you know, you could probably make a decent canoe out of uh, a tarp, uh, a wooden frame and some duct tape. Well, I think the point is, I like, I, you know, I, I don't think canoes are way more scarce in the States than they are in Canada. I mean, it's not like, it's not like everyone has a canoe in their, in their garage or yard <laughs> where we live. Um, well, you're in Washington, D.C. How many canoes have you seen so far? I have seen zero so far. All right. But you have yet to go to the Smithsonian. Right. And I'm sure I'll see one carved out of a log there, but. Uh, you might see other canoes too. I might. I guess that's what I'm asking is that if you go to the Smithsonian and you see, uh, you know, birch bark canoes or some other, um, you know, they have uh, they have horses now. They probably have, uh, you know, access to cows and leather and uh, various animal hides. You can make a canoe or a kayak out of an animal hide pretty easily. If you know how to do it, though, and I, but that's the point. Like, it takes – it definitely takes some – skill and expertise to do those sorts of things. I'm not saying that carving one out of a log doesn't as well, but at least if you have a model to go by, you might be able to just chop away and figure it out. So I don't know. I, I will concede that using this canoe as a template to make other canoes is a much better idea than letting John Dory make a raft. Well, clearly he has no idea how to make a raft, which is right. which is a, a character flaw in John Dory, I think. And he needs to remedy that because he is a perfect human being. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe he's just, yeah, like I say, maybe he's not so good on the water. Maybe he's better on land and uh, his weakness is water. It could water be. Water-related activities. Yeah, it, it very much could be. <laughs> he's a land guy. He's not a water guy. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. All right. All right. I, I still, I'm still skeptical about the, uh, about the wagon. All right. All right, next we have an email from P in Scotland. Uh, they have to rediscover old and maybe ancient skills to build and maintain their new world. Sure, modern equipment can be sca scavenged, but not manufactured. Yeah, and I just included this one because it just sort of reiterates the point that uh, you can find 
canoes, you can find plows and all this sort of thing. But most of the stuff we buy these days is manufactured, comes off an assembly line, requires, you know, machines or factories to build them. And they just don't have access to that anymore. So they have to go to the old stuff and figure out how people 200 years ago were making canoes or plows or whatever, and then go back to that. So it just kind of reiterates the point. I'm I'm coming around. I'm coming around. Rubber breaks down over time. You have to get new tires. You have to do like the gas is breaking down over time. So does rubber. So in 50 years, are there going to be tires that can can inflate? I don't know. Right. So uh, so maybe wooden wagon wheels are the way to go. All right. I'm coming around. I'm coming around. Okay. Good. Next email comes from Simon in Oz, and Simon says Gregory was way more complicit than Earl. Gregory incited Earl to commit assault. Gregory then pulled a knife on Maggie and attempted to kill her. So we've got a bunch of emails here coming up about the Gregory thing and what he did and the punishment and so on. And that's just a first one to kind of uh, whet our appetites a little bit. I think that it was all Gregory's idea, man. And uh, he deserved what he got. All right. If I goad you into slapping a pig, (laughs) am I more guilty than you than... Than in the in the pig slapping, um, I some would argue that you are equally uh, complicit in the pig slapping. And this is my point: Earl didn't get any, didn't get hanged. Yeah, but well, maybe we should just continue through some of these emails here. Earl was was um, was coerced through alcohol to do something. He was drunk when he did this, right? So okay, there's that. So show us the trial where they had the the defense attorney talking about his alcohol intake and the fact that he wasn't like there was no trial, like it was just Maggie deciding to kill one guy over another. Yeah, that's true. It's, there's no trial, but um, I if don't. They know. didn't show it. It didn't happen. Yeah, right? that's it's or right. they didn't talk about it. So they didn't talk about a trial. They didn't show a trial. There was no trial. There was just I'm going to hang this guy because he's a fucked hard and he decide, des- deserves to die. Uh, yes, that's, that was her thinking. I, part, part of her thinking. Let's go through some more emails. Cause I think some more points come up and I actually have a few more thoughts about what she did as well. So let's, let's go to the next one first. All right. Next we have an email from Michael in London. One thing in particular I liked was the false sense of security. Uh, we were made to feel with Gregory. The show made it seem like enough time had passed so we could be integrated into the hilltop society. And just when I thought, do you know what? He seems all right now. The little weasel once again shows his true colors and what he's really worth. Although not bloody, his death was graphic and made me question exactly what Maggie is turning into. Okay, so I think, you know, Michael is kind of questioning, asking the same questions you are. Like, what is, what has brought Maggie to this point? And um, I know you don't agree with her decision at all, but is there anything in the show or through her experiences that, can at least help understand why she has gotten to this point where she's willing to hang a guy with no trial and um, for a crime that, you know, some could argue doesn't warrant uh, an, a capital punishment. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's a thing. That's, that's what, what he's saying. Bill in New Jersey, our next email here has a, has a fairly long one, which I'll read. Bill says, 
Uh, love this Walking Dead episode and the new direction it portends. Regarding the debate over whether Gregory deserved to be hanged and the implication that maybe Earl should have been hanged too, I don't see how this is even up for debate. Let's review the facts that would be known to Maggie. Uh, first, Gregory has always been a dick, even though the first time he met the Alexandria crew, they saved his life. Gregory tried to give up Maggie and Sasha when Simon came for a visit. He's referring to when they were hiding in the closet. Right. Uh, when the war started, Gregory scuttled off to the sanctuary and cut a deal with Negan and announced to Rick's army that all hilltop people should abandon the fight or else they and their families will be exiled from the hilltop. After the let's shoot out all the windows scene, Gregory tricked Gabriel into helping him only to steal the car and leave Gabriel for dead. On the night of the funeral, Gregory gets grieving parent Earl drunk. An earlier line revealed that Earl was a non-drinker, maybe even a recovered alcoholic, and then manipulated him into trying to assassinate Maggie. Yes, assassinate, because there was a political agenda involved. And when Maggie confronts Gregory, Gregory tries to kill Maggie. That's two assassination attempts in one night. Realistically, what other choice does Maggie have? As for Earl, he was a grieving father, completely intoxicated, and in the state, in that state, was convinced by Gregory to try and kill Maggie. He's currently in Hilltop version of jail. I think, considering the circumstances, Earl can be given a pass. The guy is not a threat, and they should let him out of jail soon so he can go back to blacksmithing. He was in a doubly vulnerable state and taken advantage of by a professional bullshit artist. It's pretty clear cut to me what Maggie did was the only option. So any thoughts on all of that? Uh, I think it's a clear and concise argument. I just don't necessarily agree with it. I think I, my opinion is that, um, I mean, sure, Gregory is a shithead and he's done a lot of shithead things in the past, but that's not what she's hanging him for, right? If she was going to hang him for all that stuff, she would have hung him long before now, before the election, before all this stuff. Uh, you know, they were trying to integrate him back into the society. And sure, this might be the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, but if he wasn't, uh, you know, held accountable for that stuff previously, uh, then he shouldn't, that shouldn't count against him now, in my opinion. And uh, Earl, sure, he was in a vulnerable state if he was a recovering alcoholic. Uh, you know, still, he tried to assassinate Maggie. That's still still a crime in my book. Yeah, he did attack someone in the night, and, um, you know, I guess he was trying to kill her, or maybe he was just trying to beat her up. We don't really know that, but that's because there was no trial. <laughs> yeah, if he did it, and he did, then he's capable of doing it. And if he's capable of doing it, he's capable of doing it again. Sure, that makes some sense. Uh, you know, I don't know really where I fall down on this issue entirely. Uh, we, we have some more emails coming up about it with some more information and opinions, but it's, it's, it's difficult. I think, uh, I think, you know, uh, capital punishment is, is a, is a big thing. And, um, most of the time in real life, I wouldn't be a proponent of it. I don't think. Uh, but this is a TV show, and it's a zombie apocalypse, and it's hard to apply real-world, I don't know, yeah. um, real-world uh, morals to what we're seeing on screen. You know, in 
and in retrospect, Rick has turned and shot people, right? Mm-hmm. Murdered people, out and out murdered people. Daryl has out and out murdered murdered people. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, murdering Gregory, I think I might even be okay with that. It's uh, because of all the uh, the shithead things that he's done in the past and this particular shithead assassination attempt. Murder him, fine. But don't do a public hanging in uh, and couch it as uh, justice. Right. Because right? if it's going to be justice, it has to be justice and it has to be uh, the decision to do it has to be open and uh, fair. And it has to be decided upon and then uh, it just... It just doesn't strike me. Uh, it strikes me as a uh, megalomaniac. What's the word I'm looking for here? Megalomaniacal. Yeah, that kind of a thing to do. Or it it strikes me as an evil thing to do for propaganda's sake, mm-hmm. right? To show, to use him as an example of, uh, you know, law and order. And I'm putting air quotes around that in in the hilltop. Uh, if she just turned to him in that moment where he tried to kill her and shot him in the face, fine. I would have been fine with that, hmm. but uh, it's it's the whole uh, public hanging with no trial uh, without metering out justice to Earl either. That we've seen yet. I mean, Earl might be in jail. He might be, uh, you know, he might be shunned. Yeah. And uh, yeah, who knows what's going to happen in the future. But it just, it looks right now that uh, a public hanging without a trial had just taken place. Sure. For uh, a crime that he uh, he had committed that night. Yeah. Yeah. It was awfully uh, quick turnaround. That's for sure. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. So next we have an email from Heather in Alberta. And she uh, Heather's talking about Maggie's decision to hang Gregory. Hanging Gregory was a big deal. It's not a dire situation and maybe even a worrisome choice, but it's a far cry from a complete miscarriage of justice as was implied. If anything, letting off Earl due to circumstances says a lot uh, to the people assembled. Uh, it was 100% the wrong method of hanging, though. Uh, he would have been twitching there for a long time. His face would have been purple and his tongue hanging out. It would have been super ugly. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it would have, yeah, because he didn't really fall. He just sort of, the horse just removed itself from under him, right? So Yeah, that's it's not so much a hanging as a strangling. Ugh, that's maybe even worse. It is. It, yeah, if you're going to hang somebody, hang a proper. You know, if you're going to do it uh, as a uh, method of capital punishment, do it so that, uh, you know, to minimize the pain and suffering. But uh, letting letting poor Gregory twist there and strangle to death, after, uh, which would have taken tens of minutes and not the two that it's they showed on screen. Or even you less. could have survived that. Yeah. Yeah. could have survived that. I mean, uh, Clint Eastwood was in a movie with the... He was in lots of movies, but uh, a spaghetti western. It might have been Hang 'em High. It might have been um, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, where he was hanged, but he wasn't hanged properly, and he survived, and he was pissed about it. <laughs> well, I would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, we've still got some more on this topic. Paul in the UK writes, Just thinking about the whole punishment fits the crime deal in the season premiere. And to me, it seems that there is a little subtext Maggie is projecting onto Gregory her disappointment with the decision to jail Negan rather than killing him. And so she deals out the punishment that she uh, thinks killing should receive. What do you reckon? And this is something I had started thinking about while I was riding the bus to work uh, one day this week. That clearly, and, and we know from this episode, 
uh, and from other episodes that Maggie is awfully unhappy with Rick's decision to keep Negan alive. And so now Gregory comes along, commits this crime, and Rick is standing right there. So I think Maggie's decision to hang Gregory and and kill him for this crime is essentially sending a message to Rick saying, this is what you should have done with Negan. Because, frankly, Negan probably did a lot of worse things um, than, oh, yeah. than incite somebody to attack someone else. Um, and, you know, she's making this point for Rick and not for anybody else. So her decision-making, A, could have been a little bit, you know, emotion-driven rather than logic and reason-driven. And maybe shouldn't she wouldn't have made the same choice if um if Rick hadn't been there and he wasn't there to witness this so that doesn't make it the right decision but i think it explains what she was trying to do a little bit she committed a public hanging for spite that's worse it's way worse <laughs> it's just, well yeah but you maybe it's worse but you you know you can i mean understand why she ended up at that decision i think right right she's 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 had experiences in the past that have led her to think that people who do bad things shouldn't be left to live like negan beat beat her husband's head into a pulp and killed a lot of other people and did a horrible the host of horrible things right and he he got to live uh which she disagrees with so now gregory comes along and commits these crimes and she says, okay, that's it. I'm I'm going to make a statement. I'm not going to let him live for what he did because this is how things should be. So all I'm saying is I feel like we have, a, we have an idea of how she ended up at this decision, whether it's the right one or the wrong one. You know, that's up for debate still. Yeah. Uh, this is something the governor would have done. You you brought him up when we recorded earlier this week too, and I I don't disagree with that, but I've always felt that Negan was a much more evil guy than the governor, or at least more. He, he is, uh, he is an evil guy. He's absolutely evil guy. He uh, you know he beats people uh, people's head ins to uh, for an exa- as an example. Mm-hmm. So Maggie's hanging this guy as an example to Rick, mm-hmm. like she's making a statement, whether it's a political statement or a personal statement or just, you know, out and out spite. Uh, so she's either hanging this guy, uh, without a trial, uh, for a public showing of power or whether she's doing it to make a point to Rick. It, it's just, it's still, it's still evil. And it's a deterrent to other people too. I mean, if, you should, if they witness, and that's this. what Negan does with the bat, with Lucille. Yeah. It's a deterrent to other people. You get a group of people, you kill one or two of them to make a point. Other people fall in line. That's what Maggie's doing. Yeah, no, it is. It is for sure. I'm just trying to understand how she came to the decision, not necessarily yeah. decide on it. But, but I, they didn't show it. They didn't show it. They didn't show the trial. They didn't show her decision-making process. We just know uh, thing happened, thing happened, thing happened. He's on a horse with a noose around his neck. Well, no, right? I think I think the decision-making – I think there's enough there for us to understand how she came to this decision. And I'm, you know, coming around or, you know, I'm, I've always been a little bit more on your side, I think, that to, to say that this isn't isn't justice served, right? It's extreme for what was going on. 
um, despite everybody's points about how bad of a guy Gregory was. Um, but I think the show did give us enough to sort of understand how she came to this point. Yeah. And, and, uh, at least we understand that much. Yes. I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it It is, it is confusing. And the fact that we're spending so much time talking about this and discussing it, and we have so many emails about it means that, uh, this was a really good thing that they put in the show. Like it's, uh, it's, it's compelling. Sure. It's compelling. It makes you think, it makes you talk, it makes you want to figure it out. Right. Yeah. So I, I have to applaud the show for putting this in and giving us a hint of, uh, uh, you know, maybe Maggie's, uh, going down the dark side. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted Madison to do. That's right. We used to talk about wanting Madison to become a villain on the show. She still can't. There's still hope. I still have hope. Hey, maybe Madison will pop up on the main show as a villain sometime oh, in the future. Like a trade. Like they just did, uh, they did some trading in their, uh, uh, you know, they traded, uh, uh, Morgan, Morgan, right. Damn it. They brought Momo was, over. I started watching, uh, another TV show with Lenny James in it. And so I got confused on character names, but, uh, yeah, maybe they're just doing a, you know, a swap for now. Yeah. Bring, bring Momo one way and bring, uh, Maddie the other. Mad, mad, mad. Momo and mad, mad, Momo and mad, mad. Right. Why not? All right, we better move on. Uh, next, we have a call from uh, Reese in the UK. Hey, Chris and Jason. It's Reese just ringing in to say, hey, welcome back to the Series 9 uh, of, you know, you guys following the podcast. Freaking awesome. Um, I have followed you through the um, Fear the Walking Dead as well. I haven't watched it, but I like to listen to you guys, so I've been following with you. I just want to say that I'm super duper excited about the first episode back. It's been really, really, really cool. Um, everything about it was cool. The spider zombie creeped me out to the max. The whole tension going across the glass was just horrific. And same with Ezekiel. Um, I think it's cool that they've got together, Ezekiel and Carol, uh, which is pretty sweet. But it does mean that one of them has to die because this is The Walking Dead. You don't get to fall in love, you get to die. <laughs> other than that i think the episode was really fantastic it was kind of cool to see everyone in their new positions and i liked the way it played out it was just a bit slower a little less in your face with details just a bit more subtle with the background conversations and stuff so that's really cool so yeah just want to say that was cool and my holy crap did you see that is got to be the hanging at the end i mean i'm pretty damn sure that greg isn't dead i think they cut him down before he actually died so well, we'll see. We'll see in the next episode, but I'm pretty sure he's not dead. It's just like a warning to everyone, like, don't fuck with me, son, because I will hang you. Yeah, that's a pretty good threat. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you for doing the podcast, as always. I'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye. All right, thanks, Reese. Uh, do you think there's any chance Gregory's not dead? No, and that seems like a strange thing for me to say, because I don't think anybody's ever dead, unless they're actually really super dead. Right. Uh, they, uh, I think they cut him down way too early, but I think that was a production issue and not a storytelling issue. Uh, maybe it was a mock execution. I don't know, but uh, I'm pretty sure he's dead. And it feels strange for me to say that because if there's any ambiguity, usually I fall on the side of he's not dead. He'll be back. Yeah, um, I hope he's dead, and only not because I disliked him or anything like that. I just, I just don't think we need a fake out death on the show right now. We we don't. We just, you know, he was he was killed off. It's obviously sparked a lot of feelings and conversation and stuff, and that's great. Um, but 
make him dead and make Maggie and all the other characters deal with the consequences of that, whatever they may be. If it was fake or if he's not dead or, you know, if it wasn't intended to be fake and they just cut him down too early, I don't think that's going to be good. So let's, let's go with he's dead. Um, and I hope that's what the show does too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Yeah. Okay, good. Is it my turn? It is. Troy from our Facebook page writes, I'm glad they didn't drag Gregory's death out for three episodes or more. They've been leading up to that moment over the past two seasons, and now they can get on to the stories that stem from it without bogging down a bunch of episodes with repetitive stuff we saw last season. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the same thing. I'm glad it didn't take too long to do this either. And I wonder, Jason, if the creators of the show and the showrunner and the writers and all that kind of heard the criticism from fans that things are taking way too long. Like they're just taking forever to tell these stories. So let's speed it up a little. And this might be a perfect example of that where, you know, they have this whole storyline of, of killing off Gregory, but why let it span eight episodes? Why not just get it done in the first one and move on from there? And let's speed things up a little bit. So I don't know that for sure, but I feel like that could be their thinking this season. It could be. In that case, they should have just rode that wagon down the stairs. Everybody <laughs> hop in. Let's go. <laughs> Everybody in. I'm sure the glass floor will be fine at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, you know, if they've – Angela is new and there's new writers and maybe they're like, you know what, guys? All that war took way too long. Let's move things along. Uh, yeah. You know, why so not? That, that, that's good. I mean, if they're going to uh, kill off a character and he's going to leave the show, do it right at the beginning of the episode that way, or beginning of the season. That way he's freed up to do, uh, something else where he dies. Cause I'm pretty sure that actor, I forget his name at the moment. Um, everything I've seen him in, he dies in the middle of the Xander show. Berkeley. I think he's Xander Berkeley. Yeah. He's, um, I did a panel at Walker Stalker con with him one time and, uh, he, he was, I found him a difficult, panel guest um not because he was belligerent or anything but just he's practically in character as gregory on stage and for me that was a little difficult to deal with <laughs> you know yeah don't yeah those 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 kinds of actors are that are in character all the time yeah that, that's why you never date an actor because they're always acting because they're never themselves <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's good good advice. But, you know, you're right. He's I think he's played a lot of bad guys and stuff, so I think he dies a lot in movies and on screen. Yeah, well, the only other thing I've really seen him in was 24, and he died in that. Spoiler alert from, like, 10 or 15 years ago now. Uh, but he, he his death was awesome. Oh, good. A good. An awesome death is always fun to watch. It is. There you go. Yes, it is. All right, next we have an email from Chris in the UK. It was really insensitive to put Rick uh, for Rick to put Daryl in charge of the sanctuary. Hey Daryl, for the last two seasons you've uh, you've shown clear signs of something like PTSD. What would be great is if you could uh, go back to the place where probably more than anywhere else in the world reminds you of your imprisonment, humiliation, and here's what makes it really special, the place where you were taken immediately after you got one of your closest friends killed. Somewhere you got to sit in the dark and think about what you've done. Why not uh, go whole hog and insist the poor guy sing Easy Street to everyone four times a day. No wonder Daryl is pissed off. The best way to deal with this is probably to dismiss his concerns and ideally not really listen to him at all. I completely buy that these things would happen, but you know what? 
Rick can be a bit of a dick sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and that's a really good point, actually. I'm like, why would you put Daryl in charge of Sanctuary, where that's where he was imprisoned, tortured, tried to, you know, they attempted to convert him over to Negan. But you know what? You'll be fine there. Like, just go and run that place. Everything, what could possibly go wrong? So I think that yeah. is a poor call on Rick's point or whoever made that decision. It's like putting Han Solo in uh, in charge of a whole bunch of uh, troops in Star Wars and making him a general. It's just, you know, he's been out for himself for such a long time that where he doesn't have any leadership leadership skills. It's been him and Chewie for forever. Yeah. So Daryl, uh, you know, you put him in charge of riding his motorcycle around and shooting things with his crossbow and maybe accomplishing things out in the wilderness by himself. Don't put him in charge of a whole bunch of people that are pissed off and living in a factory and don't want to move even though their crops are failing. Uh, yeah, don't put Daryl in charge. I wouldn't put Daryl in charge of anything, really. No, he's a he's a bit more of a loner, and you're right. Like, tell him, ride around, scout the place out, figure out what routes are safe, like, do something like that. But you don't need to hang out in the, the one place that has caused you the most stress in your life ever, probably. So Yeah. You remember Daryl, remember that bandolier of squirrels he had in the first season? Oh, those were the good old days, man. And then he was collecting ears in the second season? Yep. And then last season he out and out murdered that guy? Daryl shouldn't be in charge of anything. That's right. He just shot that kid after they he they got information from him. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, Daryl Daryl shouldn't be in charge because he'll just end up killing people. Well, no wonder it went wrong, basically, and he wanted to leave. So, uh, you know, it was all about um, Carol swinging in and kind of saving the day and enhancing their relationship. So I'm okay with that end of things, but yeah. boy, yeah, I'm not surprised in any way that Daryl didn't like being the leader over at Sanctuary. Yeah. And just on that note, don't put Carol in charge of a daycare. <laughs> Probably a good idea. <laughs> Cause she'll, uh, she'll make the kids cry every day at the very least. Uh, and at the worst, murder them. Right, exactly. But you know what? they're unsalvageable. You know what? She'll probably do a good job at Sanctuary, though. Uh, she might. You know? She'll, yeah. I think she might be the right person for that job, so we'll see She's how that She's got goes. the brass knuckles knife. That would scare anybody. Yeah, it scares me. Me too. Okay. Uh, Tim on our Facebook page writes, The reason they would detach the horses and push the wagon through the mud themselves is because the horses can slip very easily in that kind of mud and break their leg, making the horse useless. Uh, versus a couple of people who may injure themselves but are more easily repaired and can act more intentionally as to not hurt themselves versus an animal whose only instinct is going to be to move forward as fast as possible to get out of the situation. So that makes sense to me. You need horses. You've just found a bunch of horses. So why put the horses at risk unnecessarily trying to, you know, plow their way through some mud? Uh yeah, I can say that. I, I can see that. And uh, horseshoes are made out of uh, metal or rubber, depending on where they are. But, uh, you know, humans are wearing actual shoes that uh, are probably a little more grippy. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's like uh, something I, I started listening to an audio book about Neil Armstrong and the uh, when uh, the the first crew from the the the, uh, the Apollo Eleven were 
splashing down back uh, in the water, uh, the <laughs> there was a joke going around the recovery crew saying, uh, save the rocks first. We don't have any moon rocks. We've got lots of astronauts. <laughs> we can find other people, <laughs> but we don't have a lot of moon rocks down here. Yeah, those moon rocks took a lot of time and effort to get. Yeah. The people we could, we got more of. That's great. That's just wonderful. <laughs> it was just a joke. Uh, of course, but still, the sentiment yeah. is probably kind of true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Vicky in California writes, were Ken, Tammy, and her husband in season eight? Do you know if they just popped up out of nowhere? Um, and uh, I do, in fact, know if they popped up out of nowhere. And the answer is yes and no, because they were not in season eight, but... They are all characters from the comics, um, oh. although they're somewhat different in the comic. And I don't want to give too much away, um, but they were definitely comic book characters that they've, you know, made the jump over into the show. They just remixed them a little bit for the show. So, no, they haven't been on the show before, Vicky, to answer your question, um, but they didn't come out of nowhere. They came from the comics. And incidentally, Marco is a comic book character as well. So, Oh, okay. So, uh, Tammy, uh, that's Grace something or other, right? Uh, Tammy was played by Brett Butler. Oh, Brett Butler. She was yeah. Grace Under Fire. There was a TV show that she was in that I recognized her from. Right, right. And um, Earl, her husband, is not an actor I was familiar with. Uh, neither was Ken and Marco, but I think they've they've all been in other things you know, over the years. They're, none of them are like new vet or uh, virgin actors. <laughs> Is that a thing? I guess so. Everybody's got to be not an actor before they're an actor. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I am currently not an actor. so I'm still in the not an actor phase. Yeah, that's, that's right. Maybe someday. Maybe someday it'll change, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure I was in a play at some point. Was I in a play? Uh, I might have I been in a play. Maybe. You played like a, a tree in some Shakespeare production in high school. Uh, I think 90%, 99.9% of the performances I've done have been musical in nature. I'm just trying to think oh, of yes. whether or not I've ever done acting in a play, and I can't remember, so probably not. Well, you know what? You'll have to get back into it. You never know where you might end up. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I don't like, uh, I like performing, but I don't like being the center of attention, so drummer is perfect for me. Right. You're always there in the back, just keeping the beat. No one ever, yeah. no one ever. I'm doing my thing. Right. You know, you can look at me if you want, but I'm not the center of attention. I have no desire to be the center of attention. Sounds good. All right. So next we have an email from Lance in Australia. Hey guys, awesome show. I'm a fan of The Walking Dead and got sick last year, mid last year, and lost my eyesight from meningitis. I recently uh, bought the Google Home Assistant and discovered your podcast two months ago, midway through season four of Fear of the Walking Dead. I just finished listening to season eight of The Walking Dead on DVD, just in time for season nine. You do a great job, and I think I'm uh, I'm not going to miss a thing. Oh man, Lance, I appreciate you you writing in about that, and uh, sorry to hear about your your illness and and eyesight problems. But yeah, you know, on the other hand, um, we're Lance is not the first person we've heard from. Um, as a listener who listens to our recaps of the episode because they are uh, visually impaired. And I'm not going to say that listening to us sit here and recap and talk about it is the same thing as, as watching the show. But the fact is people have written in to, to say that it helps. And um, I think that's fantastic. And I, it makes me feel great about even greater about doing this thing here because it, 
gives people the opportunity to experience The Walking Dead in a little bit of a different way than you might expect. So I just wanted to throw this one in here and, and thank Lance for, for letting us know that, you know, he listens to us and uh, he gets that out of it. And, you know, there are others out there as well. So it's it's something I never even imagined or considered would be a thing when we started this, hey? That, that yeah. someone who might not be able to watch the show in the same way as, you know, most of the population can listen to us and get something out of it. So it's it's really, uh, really incredible, I think. Thanks, Lance. That, uh, that warms my heart. It does. It does. It's really great. Finally, we have one more email here from Perry in Oregon. And Perry says... Think of all the jokes that were missed by the episode writers when they didn't name the anonymous walkie repeater. His name is obviously Pete, the repeater. Get it? Peter, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. We're calling him Pete from now on. You think they'll mention it again? I hope they mention it again. I hope they do. Pete, the repeater. I mean, that's perfect we <laughs> if they don't bring it up again, it's going to be a real bummer and a wasted joke, but ah, oh, I'm naming him Pete Pete. Pete repeater re repeater Pete Pete repeater Pete Pete yeah perfect <laughs> <laughs> thank you Perry in Oregon for pointing that out all right that is uh, all the emails for this week and all the calls and everything all the everything for for this week so uh, I really hope this uh, podcast works out and uh, my fingers are still tightly crossed that everything is going okay with the audio here but it sounds good on your end right. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, we had uh, just a couple of little hiccups, but I think overall it was great. Yeah, there were three or four times where, where you cut out a little bit and I couldn't hear you, but I just stayed quiet and luckily you continued talking and I was able to pick up the, you know, what you were saying um, as you continued. So <laughs> luckily, lucky. yeah, luckily, exactly. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Next week is season nine, episode two. It is called The Bridge. So please give us some title reads if you want to hear your voice on the podcast. The Bridge. I, I imagine it's going to be all about fixing the bridge, right? Yeah, that's where Pete Pete died. That's where Pete Pete died. Yeah, they have to <laughs> somehow resurrect Pete Pete and bring him back. Um, so anyways, uh, give us some title reads. That would be fantastic. And our next podcast will come out next Tuesday night. I'll be back at home and back to normal with the recording. So... Uh, you know, back, back on the regular schedule. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can still do that, of course, by uh, visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead, tweeting us at talking dead on Twitter, um, or sending email to talking dead podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us a voicemail, just visit the website talking and click on send voicemail at the top of the page. All right. I am going to get back to my visit here to Washington, D.C. most of the time. I have to do some work down here, but uh, I am going to go to the Caps game on Saturday night, so that should be very fun. Being a What's a cap? The Washington Capitals, the, oh, the hockey team. That's a hockey team, right? Okay, it is, it. yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Who are they playing? Are they playing the Leafs? Yeah, the Leafs happen to be down here. It's exciting for me. Well, that's very exciting for you. I know. I'm, I'm excited uh you know uh, posthumously no no peripherally uh, peripherally <laughs> by proxy uh, maybe by proxy i'm excited by proxy there you go yeah it's just a crazy coincidence that you know the leafs are down here the toronto hockey team are down here at the same time i am so i couldn't not go i had to buy a ticket so i'm going to be doing that 
but also doing some other stuff. So uh, it hopefully is a good time. So far, it's been raining in the entire time I've been here, but that's supposed to stop tomorrow. So that looking forward to that. Super. All right. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. We'll be back next week. And until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.